I want to read two passages of scripture. We're continuing our series on, on prayer, a three-part series, mini-series, as it were, on uh, the prayer of the Sabbath or the prayer of rest. And I want to read two passages of scripture that are, have meant a whole lot to me this week. And I'll tell you why in a little bit. First one's from Deuteronomy chapter 33, verses 26 and 27. Just listen to the words very carefully. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun. Jeshurun is a, another name for Israel. It means the righteous one. There is no God like the God of Jeshurun who rides on the heaven to help you and on the clouds in His majesty. This is the ancient way of just saying that God is above it all. He's above the clouds. He's above the, the earthly, transitory problems that we're a part of. And He rides up there in order to help us. The eternal God is your refuge. Refuge is a place that you run to when you're afraid. It's a place of safety and protection. It's not the place you go when you want to fight and feel strong. It's a place you go when you're scared. The eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. And he will drive out your enemy before you, saying, destroy him. I love that passage. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. We were dead in sin, lost, doomed, but we have been raised with Christ, past tense. Since that is the case, Paul says, set your heart on things above, above those clouds, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. <laughs> That's just another term for majesty and power, God's right hand. That's where he is. For you died. Your old self is dead. All your old concerns, your ambitions are dead. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. They say amen. Your life is now hidden. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help me to be ruthlessly honest in sharing my experience, Lord God. For you are the spirit of truth and therefore the spirit of openness. And Lord, I pray that you'd make your word come alive and minister to us as we learn what it is to rest in you. How, how we, like disturbed little children, have trouble resting in you. How we, like insecure little kids, are so busy running around fatiguing ourselves trying to impress you and please you and jump through hoops and all you want is for us to come and sit on your lap and to hold us and to love us and to build us up from the inside. Teach us how to do that, Lord. It doesn't come easy for us. And use this word this morning to do what I pray in your name. Amen. I shared with you last week that I had a rough week. But I take last week a hundred times over the week I've had this week. Does anyone else in this auditorium ever feel like you're just getting beat up by the world? On the left and on the right, you're just getting hit. You're just getting plowed. Or... Does anyone else here ever feel like life is just a pressure cooker? Like you're boiling. Someone's just turning the temperature up. And the pressure is just getting to you. You feel like if someone gives you one more job to do, you're going to snap. 
someone gives you one more deadline to meet, you're going to crack. If the kids complain one more time about their vegetables, you're going to snap completely, and they're going to read about you tomorrow in the paper. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Times when you, when you just want to wig out. I know some of you know what I'm talking about. Times when you just want to whip, go, let them take me away, wrap me up in a straitjacket and bring me to the funny farm. You're just going to wig out. You're going to break some dishes, break some windows, do something real nasty because it's just pressure's gotten to you. And it feels like you're on a merry-go-round and the merry-go-round's going faster and faster and you're getting nauseous and you want to vomit but you can't get off and there's nowhere to run and there's nowhere to hide. You know what I'm talking about. Life gets like that sometimes. Let me just share with you, if I may, I don't want a Greg Boyd pity party, but get out your hankies. I just want to lay the groundwork for the good news that's going to come later. But on top of just the ordinary kind of pressure, starting a new semester, having five classes to teach, and, and all this other kind of stuff, on top of that, that's nothing. But I got this guy. I just want to share this with you. I got a guy who read something I wrote in a book quite a while ago. And this man didn't like what I wrote in a book quite a while ago, and he didn't understand what I wrote in a book quite a while ago, but he didn't like it. He's a person of the far right, so to speak, ultra-conservative, fundamentalist glory, and he decides to go after me. And so he writes a letter, never calls me, never contacts me to see if he gets it straight. He just writes a letter, a very, very nasty letter, in which he yanks quotes out of this book that he didn't like, way out of context, puts into my mouth positions that I'm arguing against, sends this letter out to 300 different organizations, and tells them to stop selling a different book that I wrote that's got nothing to do with the book he didn't like. Why? I don't know. It bothers me. <laughs> oh. and this, this other book that I wrote was doing real well, having a lot of ministry. I've gotten a hundred and some calls from people who've been helped by this other book that I wrote that this guy wants to put a stop to. And because he's kind of a respected person, he's putting a stop to it. Sales are going, Choo! everyone's sending back their books because, hey, never called me, never contacted me. I've been bothered by the, the extreme religious right for a while, and this just is like the icing on the cake. That segment with that the easy, simplistic solutions, and, and they equate their own theology with God Almighty, and they think they got all the answers, and they just bulldoze over people's lives, and their little cliches and all that kind of stuff, it bothers me, and it's grating on me, and this week it really got under my goad. But on the other side, amen, on the other side, you can say amen anytime you want, I, I appreciate that. On the other side, it's no better. I feel like I'm getting hit with that either, the extreme left, although it used to be extreme, and it seems like it's moving center pretty fast. There's a whole cultural movement that is sweeping over us that I just can't get into, and it bothers me. I mean, I'm, I'm disturbed by, by, you know, and I, I don't usually get political in the pulpit. I make an agenda not to, and this is not intended to be political. This is just me spilling my guts. You don't have to agree, but just empathize with where I'm at. I get bothered with the leftist kind of thinking that's running the country and the special interest groups that are running the country and everyone, this whole political correctness agenda, I don't do that very well. This, this kind of thinking where you gotta, you think you can really fix problems by getting people to talk. Trouble censoring myself that well so I know just what is the right, right word to use and, and how do you act in this situation and what are you supposed to do there. But if you don't do it right and you don't say it right, you get accused of Genderism. They got more isms today than I've ever heard of. 
Handicapism, ageism, Anglo-Saxism, sexism, homophobiaism, heterosexualism, Eurocentricism, Americanism. You name it, they got an ism for it, and, and there's a particular way you got to talk and act and behave, and, and I don't do it very well. But with this ideology, it can come back to haunt you. I got blasted not too long ago because there was a person who, I never felt like me very well, and I think the only reason she doesn't like me very well is because I'm a male, and there's an issue there, I think, but I'm trying to be friends with her, and I, I just grabbed her and said, how you doing today? You just touched her arm. No. With this climate, everybody's, you relate like it's a, everything is a potential lawsuit. You gotta relate to each other like that. It makes you paranoid. I'm afraid no matter what I say, I'm gonna offend somebody. No matter what I do, I'm gonna offend somebody. Whatever happened to good old Christian hugs? I want you to know, you know, if I don't know you, I'm probably too scared right now to initiate a hug. But feel free to hug me anytime you want. I, I am not politically correct. I, I invite that. Okay, and then on top of that, for the last two weeks, I've been experiencing, I think Paul's been experiencing some of this, some real spiritual attack. And, and, and let me just say right up front that I can't tell you how much I appreciate the ministry of intercession that's going on around here. People I know are interceding for this church and for me and my family and Paul and his family all the time, half hour or more a day. Some people are praying for this ministry. Why else do you think we're seeing what God is doing the, the, way, the way we're seeing it here this morning? It's built on prayer, and I appreciate that. And tonight when we have our prayer groups, keep the church in mind, keep Paul in mind, keep me in mind, and all the other leaders in mind because we need it. And I shudder to think what it would be like if there wasn't that intercessory prayer because I'm getting hit even though it's there. And what it does to me, the way the flavor it usually takes in my life, and this is what I want to talk to you about this morning. I, I didn't originally plan on, on preaching this, but I got to preach what's fire in my gut, and this is what's the fire in my gut. It brings condemnation on me. The enemy brings condemnation on me. This is the main tool he uses against all the saints of God. It starts to undermine your confidence in the Lord and undermine your mission in the Lord and your integrity in the Lord and starts bringing past sin on you or present sin on you, accusations, guilt, and condemnation, and it ruins your peace in the Lord. It ruins your joy in the Lord. It undermines your strength in the Lord and your confidence in the Lord. And I've been getting hit with that on top of all this other stuff. And then I get hit with fear. I get hit with fear. Fear that my ministry through this book is going to come to an end. Fear that my writing ministry uh, might come to an end because of this guy. Fear that my reputation might be slammed. That enemy brings fear. Fear that I'm not going to be able to meet all my obligations. Fear that, fear that my children are going to be overly influenced by television commercials that they watch. Fear that I can't be myself. Or being myself won't be good enough. This is the one that the enemy uses a lot upon ministers. Fear that if you just pour your heart out to people in your church, well, that's not good enough. And that stalls the thought, and this, I think, destroys more ministries than any other single thing. Puts in you the idea that you got to like, keep on cranking it out. Every Sunday morning, you got to do a little better. And what you got to do is make it polished and smooth and all this other kind of junk, and that's a crock. But that's what the enemy puts in you, fear. Oh, no. Fear that 
there is going to be warfare in this church, and there is. And what else do you expect when God's moving us into enemy territory the way he's doing it? But it's a fear that maybe I'm not strong enough, maybe Paul's not strong enough, maybe there's not enough prayer support. What if the enemy really just attacks and, 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 and destroys it? What if he sows division or whatnot? We feel like this sometimes, don't we? We don't talk about it all that much because, you know, we feel like we've got to encourage one another and we've got to be positive and up and, and victorious and, and always having the smile around each other. Not realizing that when we feel like we have to do that, we don't encourage one another, we alienate one another. Because we think we're the only ones who feel afraid and feel beaten up and feel downtrodden. There's a real need for us to be able to say out loud what is real, whether it's victorious or whether it's not so victorious. That's what I'm trying to do here this morning. There is a time, a time to fight, and we need to be reminded of that. There's a time to shout the shout of victory and to dance the celebration of victory and a time to pick up the sword and yield the sword and to kick the devil in the butt and storm the gates of hell and celebrate the victory of God. There's a time for that, and we need to be reminded of that continually. But what we need to understand this morning is that there's also a time when you don't feel so strong, and you don't feel so powerful, a time when you feel kind of weak, you feel kind of vulnerable, you feel kind of down. Sometimes just surviving is like one monumental achievement, you know what I mean? What we need to understand is that when we're in those times, times when, we're, when we don't feel like attacking very much, we don't feel very courageous, we feel like running, we feel like the... The guys on Monty Python's Holy Grail, we feel like shouting out, run away, run away, run. Where's the cover? Where's the hiding? Where's the protection? We've got to get out of here. And that's a real thing, and we need to hear about that too. And what we need to understand this morning is God does not despise those times at all. God doesn't look down upon those times. He doesn't indict you for being in those times because the Scripture says, in fact, the Scripture says he's, he's got a refuge for us precisely when we're in those times. He's got a shelter, he's got a fortress for us, a place of hiding for us, precisely when we're in those times. In fact, he doesn't just have a fortress for us. Scripture says he is our fortress. He doesn't just have a place of hiding. The Bible says Jesus Christ is our place of hiding. He doesn't just have a shelter. God Almighty is our shelter. And he wants us to when we're down and out and when we're being beaten up and when we're on the run, to look to him for our, our source of safety, our source of comfort, our source of security. In fact, I believe that sometimes the Lord just kind of puts us out on the front line and then withdraws just to remind us of how vulnerable we are, just to remind us of how weak we are, just to remind us that, that we can't do it on our own, just to develop that relationship with him that sees him as our rock and as our fortress and as our strong shield. The verse that Paul read in, in the beginning of this service is so so true and so powerful. God is glorified in our weakness. It's not an indictment on you that you're weak and, and feeling frail and feeling beat up. That's not an indictment on you. That's when God can be glorified as your refuge, the res refuge of Jeshurun. That's when God can be glorified as your shelter and your shield. When I am weak, Paul says, then he is strong. When I'm down, then God reigns on high. When I'm feeling low, then he's still above the clouds. And when I'm feeling defeated, he is still victorious. And what we need to do is to run, run fast, run hard to that shelter, to that lion, and find our source and security in that lion, in that refuge, in that mighty fortress. 
I just want to share with you what God has done with me this week. I, I just want to share an experience I had the last two weeks, really, but this week in particular, I've never, I don't recall ever running to God as my refuge the way I did this, this last week. And praying the prayer of rest, God, I just want to relax in you. I just need to relax in you. But I had one experience Monday morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. Had been up all night, wrestling with this stuff. Doing warfare, but feeling like I was getting beat up. Starting a new semester and feeling the weight of that whole thing upon me. And I, 5 o'clock in the morning, I found a hiding place. I just want to share with you as much as words can, as much as I can put it into words, what happened. First, with regard to the condemnation, the enemy had been attacking me, throwing. The picture I have that comes to my mind when I want to describe what I was feeling like, it's like the enemy was this ominous cloud, this dark, ominous cloud. And out of this cloud, he was throwing these lightning bolts at me, just throwing them at me, condemnations, accusations. You're not good enough. You have no right to preach the word. Who do you think you are? Bam, bam, bam. And I felt like this guy was trying to dodge this, you know, just trying to, whoa, you know, and I'm getting tired, I'm getting fatigued, I'm getting dead, and, and I'm just trying to dodge this. Once in a while, I'm not fast enough and I'm getting hit, but I, I feel like I have this little badge, a little badge of my righteousness, like a sheriff's badge. And I try to ward off these, these lightning bolts with that sheriff's badge, try to deflect them. I'm not as bad as you say. I pray more than most people. Hey, hey I do more good than most people. And, and, and what you said isn't quite true, and you're exaggerating. I'm trying to defend myself with my own righteousness, my own good deeds against the onslaught of condemnation from the enemy, these lightning bolts from heaven. But as you can imagine, a little sheriff's badge isn't a whole lot of good when it comes to deflecting a lightning bolt. And that sheriff's badge was just getting badgered, splintered, all beat up. And then I ran for shelter. And I just prayed the prayer of rest, or the prayer of hiding. And I said, God, my badge is gone. It's all shot to pieces, and I'm too tired to run anymore. I need you to wrap your arms around me and hide me in your holiness, because mine has run out. I need you to wrap your cloak of righteousness around me. And as I was laying in this bed praying this at 5 o'clock in the morning, the Lord did that. And I all of a sudden experienced his presence around me. And it was like being encased in a bomb shelter with 16 feet of concrete and those lightning bolts, which, which were so strong against my own badge, didn't even make a tick in this encasement that I was surrounded with. Lord, hide me in your holiness. Hide me in your righteousness. Cover me with your blood. Cover me with your love. And I began to experience that. In fact, I think God's got a sense of humor and he works in bizarre ways. And this is the bizarre thought that came to me as I was, as I was laying there and I want to share it with you. And probably if you're over 25, you'll get this. If you're not, just, just bear with me. In this most sacred moment, a lofty thought came to me. I, I thought of Captain Kirk of the Starship Enterprise. And there was a time when he was fighting the Romulans. Remember the Romulans? Nasty, nasty aliens. Ugly, too. Captain Kirk was fighting them, and he had them cornered. There they were, right there. He got ready to fire, told Chekhov, okay, fire. But just before he fired, you remember Chekhov, the little guy? Uh, the engineer. The Romulans disappeared. They just disappeared. And Chekhov goes, Captain, or Captain, I can't do Russian very well. 
Captain, they're gone. And Captain Kirk goes, that's impossible. And, and Spock goes, that's illogical. <laughs> Scotty goes, Captain, the lithium crystals are dilating. <laughs> he was always doing that. They're gone. You see, the Romulans had what they called a cloaking device. Do you remember that cloaking device? It cloaked them, and you could, they became invisible. And the Romulans, they started mocking Captain Kirk. They were having a good time because Captain Kirk and the whole starship there, they didn't know what happened to them. They're gone. They're invisible, and you can't shoot at what you can't see. And as I was laying there in Christ, as I was hiding in Christ, as I was praying that prayer of rest, it wasn't just that I was protected. It wasn't just that there was this wall between me and the enemy. It wasn't just that me with my little badgered up righteousness and full of sin was, was hiding behind a wall. I felt literally invisible. Jesus has a cloaking device. And when he puts his arms around you and wraps you, robes you in his righteousness and cloaks you in his holiness, your sin literally disappears. Amen. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, Infinity to infinity, God has cast your sins from you when you believe in Jesus Christ. He's buried them in the sea of God's forgetfulness. He's covered them with his blood. They are no more. And I felt there laying in bed, all of a sudden there's this joy that began to erupt in me. That the sin that I had, I have no more. The guilt that I had, the shame that I had, the moral failings that I had, the struggles that I have, I have no more. And the enemy not only can't shoot at me, he doesn't even know where I am because I'm hidden up in heaven in Christ Jesus, surrounded by who he is. And the enemy can't shoot at what he doesn't see, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. In fact, the only, the only thing that seemed appropriate to me at that time was to begin to laugh. The Bible says six times that God laughs, and every time it's in the face of the enemy. In fact, in the chapter preceding the one that, that uh, I read, Colossians chapter 2, the Bible says that when he nailed our sins to the cross, he made an open laughing stock of the enemy. He laughs. And like the Romulans would laugh at Captain Kirk, I'm sitting there, I, I start to giggle. I'd love to see, I bet the enemy's face just, looked just like Chekhov when he looked at the screen. <laughs> Captain, they're not here. The little demon in charge of attacking me says, Satan, he's gone. I don't know what it is. And Satan would go, that's illogical. Because <laughs> he's got the pointed ears, you know. <laughs> the enemy brings condemnation against us, folks. And when he does, don't try to defend it on your own. If you put on the scales, you lose. Run. Run and hide in Christ. And it's only a prayer away. It's just the prayer, Lord... I can't defend myself. I stand guilty before the tribunal of, of, of your holiness. If I am to stand on my own, I'm a lost cause. But Lord, you, you've paid the price. Robe me in your righteousness. Cause me to relax. Cause me to enjoy. And see the Lord put his love around you. Put his arms around you. Hear him say the words of forgiveness to you. Feel his presence around you. That is the prayer of rest. There's really one experience that I had there, but it had two facets. It, it, it took care of the condemnation, but at the same time, the Lord took care of the fear. Like me, sometimes we feel, sometimes you might feel deluged by concerns and pressures, ordinary stuff or maybe extraordinary stuff, like a flood coming upon us. We try to get our own little umbrellas to stay it off, but our umbrellas are like those little, you know, umbrellas you get in a, you know, little foods, these little toy umbrellas, Chinese things, you know. We're, we're sitting there trying to hide and boosh! But 
there's a refuge for you. When you hide in Christ, when you run for that shelter, it puts a whole new perspective on things. And this is the perspective I got on, on Monday morning at 5 o'clock. You see, let's think for a second of who we are hiding in, in heavenly places. We are hiding in Christ. And Christ is eternal. He has eternally been. He eternally will be. Christ is riding on the clouds. He is above it. He looks down upon our earth and upon history like we would from an airplane. And everything looks so very, very small. And he doesn't get really upset when things go wrong. His feathers never really get ruffled. He doesn't, he's never taken by surprise. He's never at his wit's ends. He's never about to have a nervous breakdown. We are about to have a nervous breakdown, but Christ never is. He's eternal. He's kind of above it. He's strong. He's eternal. And our little life and our little problems are but a flicker from his eternal perspective. All the generations of humankind are but a little flicker from his eternal perspective. The whole history of the world and the whole history of our universe is but a flicker, a ripple on the, on the surface of the ocean from his eternal perspective. And when we hide in Christ, we're seated, the scripture says, with him at the right hand of God in heavenly places. And when you rest, he can give you, if you're open to it, if you know to ask for it, a piece of heaven, a piece of that eternal perspective. And as you ride up into the clouds in an airplane, you look down on the hustle and bustle of the city and the problems, maybe even a war going on, it all begins to become very, very small. A bunch of little ants on the ground when you're up in that 747. And then when you go above the clouds, it's really very small, infinitely small altogether. When we, when we rest in Christ, we can get that. What the Lord said to me, laying in that bed at 5 o'clock in the morning, was basically this. Greg, why don't you just sit right here? Or in fact, why don't you just hide right here? Just, just hide me. I feel like I'm kind of inside, maybe even like, a, like an embryo, just inside of Christ, just hiding. He says, but now, from where I am, look down at your problems, these things that you think are so big and so tremendous and so overwhelming, so powerful, so life-threatening. Look at them from my perspective, where you are now seated, where you're now hiding. You're worried about a book. You're very concerned about this book and the ministry you want to do with this book. Very angry at this man who's doing these nasty things to you. But Greg, I've been around the block a couple of times. In fact, I've always, I've always existed. And I've seen a billion books come and I've seen a billion books go. Books in the total cosmic scale of things are pretty insignificant to me. I can use them if I want to, but I can do what I want to without them. You did what I told you to do. You wrote the book. Now why don't you just lay back, kick back, relax, and laugh a little bit because I'm in charge of it. It's not that big of a deal. A book. And you're worried about your reputation, your nice reputation. You're worried what, what uh, these uh, organizations are going to think. But Greg, I've seen reputations come and I've seen reputations go. I've had my reputation slammed. Do you remember the cross? Yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. But I can fix your reputation if I think I need to, or I can just let it go down the drain if I think that's okay. But it's not that big of a deal. Look at that little ant problem that you're looking at. Oh, when you're down there, it looks like Mount Everest, but from up here, it's just a little freckle on the face of the earth, and the whole earth is but a little molecule in the palm of my hand. It's not that big of a deal. Greg, relax, kick back, rest in me, laugh a little bit about it. Whatever happens, never lose your sense of humor. You're worried about the immorality of TV commercials and the way that you see the country going down the drain and being taken over by people that you are sure are just going to drive it down economically and morally and otherwise, and I am sure of that. (laughs) 
Greg, do you remember what I said in Isaiah? All the nations, the history of the nations are but a drop in my hand. I can do, them, I can do with them whatever I will. I've seen thousands of nations come, many of them mightier than the U.S., lasting five times as long as the U.S., and I've seen them go. And it's not that big of a deal. You're talking about ripples on the face of an ocean. From the eternal perspective, it just doesn't amount to a whole lot. So why don't you quit playing God? That's my job. You do what you can. Do what I tell you to do. But in the end, let me carry that weight because you're not strong enough to carry it. Let me carry that burden because you, you've got no right to carry it. Let me worry about the nations. And as for your kids, they're my creation before they're your creation. And they're my responsibility before they're your responsibility. Why don't you just surrender them over to me? Do what you can, but see it in perspective. And you're, you're afraid of people attacking you. You're afraid of persecution or that's coming upon you and it's getting to you. Greg, I've seen lives come. I've seen lives go. I've seen persecutions arise and I've seen persecutions falter. I created the worlds, didn't I? But sit with me right up here in heavenly places and look down upon this problem. The worst thing that can happen to you is that someone someday is going to put a gun to your head and blow you away. And then we can sit up here forever and enjoy one another forever. It's not that big of a deal. The worst case scenario was a happy ending. So why don't you just kick back a little bit, relax a little bit, have a good time, and, and laugh a little bit. Hide in me. And you're afraid of this church. You're afraid of the enemy coming against the church, and the enemy's trying to use you, and he's planting seeds of fear. You know, you're wondering how, how I could pour out my spirit so much and how I could bless it so much, and you know the plans I have in store for this place. And yeah, the enemy reminds you that there's retaliation, there's going to be warfare, there's going to be struggles. But Greg, Woodland Hills Church, like any church for the kingdom of God, exists for one reason, and that is to glorify me. And if I take the credit for it, I take the responsibility for it. So why don't you just give that to me? Let go, kick back, relax, do what I say, and laugh doing it. Because I am the Lord, I reign on high, I reign from eternity past to eternity future. I am sovereign, I am God, I am king, nothing gets under my gold, nothing's too heavy for me to carry, there's nothing that gets me too upset. I'm always in control and I reign on high, I am God and not you, so be the creature I created you to be and run to me and rest in me, that's your job. And what's too big for you to carry is not too big for me to carry. And what looks like a Mount Everest from your perspective is less than a little molehill that I can step on from my perspective. The issues that are too big for you are issues that are almost insignificant to me. Sit with me here in heavenly places and look at how small it all comes to be. From that perspective, as you hide, you see that it just doesn't matter a whole lot. And that is so free. That is so free the burden lifts. Hiding in Christ, praying the prayer of rest, where we say, God, be my refuge, be my strength. I need to see right now, Lord, what it is to sit with you in heavenly places. That doesn't make your problems go away, and it's not an excuse to have your head in the clouds and pretend like you're above all the issues. It doesn't mean that at all. The problems are still there. The struggles are still there. But when you rest and you can laugh at yourself and see it in perspective, the problems are manageable. They're not overwhelming. The, the deluge is a puddle. The brick wall you're running up against is a little speed bump. And you can bring that energy and that life and that fullness to the issues before you. To the issues before you. This morning, my prayer for you is that you'll see, find that place of rest, that hiding place. It may be that you're here this morning and you don't know what it is to have the Jesus cloak 
around you. I implore you that before you leave to come forward here, we're going to dismiss. I implore you to come forward and pray with somebody who will be up here. We have, we have some prayer people up here who would love to pray with you and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. And the second you do that, your sins are invisible from God's perspective and your sins are invisible from the enemy's perspective. Hide yourself in Christ. Or maybe that you're here this morning and you're a believer, but you're in a pressure cooker. You're, here, you're getting hit. You're trying to dodge it on your own and you're running out of energy. I also encourage you to come forward. There may be a line and you'll have to wait, but it'll be worth it. Enter into prayer with somebody. Don't walk out of here alone. Pray that the Holy Spirit would show you the cloak of Jesus Christ around you. Show you the eternal perspective of Jesus Christ. Hear his words of comfort and to feel his presence around you. Let's stand and close. Let's close with this prayer. Thank you, Lord God. As we pray, Lord God, wrap us in your holiness. Hide us in your refuge. Put your strong arms around us, Lord God. And for those who are weak and wounded here, Lord God, be their source of strength and comfort for them. Teach us how to rest in you, Lord God. And, and, and bless, Lord God, the prayer readings tonight. Let that be a time of intercession as well as a time of rest. Minister to your people, we pray. Amen.